Erin, do you have a family group text? I do. Me too. Mine's actually called Flock of Seagulls. Um, I'm not joking about that. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm going to read you a text from uh, Monday, 1236 p.m. My older brother texts the group chat, vaccine scheduled. And I'm happy for him, but I got to say, hello. I've never really understood totally like Adele's um, hello and what it's like to be on the other side until most of your family is, is getting vaccinated and you're just left out in the cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are, are probably feeling that way right now. <laughs> yes, yes. It's difficult. Hello from the other side. Hello. Pulse Check listeners, this is Jeremy Siegel, continuing our series on the coronavirus pandemic. Today, I'm talking with Aaron Banco from Politico's health team about where the country is in its vaccination effort and what the slow roadmap back to normalcy could look like. Here's our conversation. So right now, we currently have two vaccines available for Americans to sign up and and get shots in arms. Those are the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine. Uh, However, we had another vaccine announced early this week on Monday. Um, We're going to have the J&J vaccine coming online pretty soon. America's COVID fight has a new weapon. A third vaccine made by Johnson & Johnson is set to ship out. Over the course of the next couple of days, states should be receiving doses of the new J&J vaccine to add to their stockpiles. Johnson & Johnson's vaccine manufacturing facilities will now begin to operate 24-7. So hopefully more and more Americans can begin to get their uh, vaccine doses. What's cool about the J&J vaccine is it's just a one-dose shot. So people who go and get the shot don't have to come back to get revaccinated. And so the J&J announcement's huge because that basically signals to the rest of the country that vaccine supply is going to be significantly ramped up over the coming months. President Biden now saying there should be enough supply for every American adult by the end of May, thanks in part to that blockbuster deal between Johnson & Johnson and Merck to speed up production. You know, over the past couple of weeks, what we've been hearing from people um, who've been trying to sign up and get the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine is that their appointments have either been rescheduled or canceled or they've been having a really hard time just basically finding appointments where they can go to their local CVS or their doctor's offices and get those shots. So with the new J&J vaccine coming online, there should be more doses available um, to Americans. I think the latest numbers that I saw from the CDC indicated that we had administered almost 80 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine, whether that be the Moderna vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine. So things started off pretty slow with the new administration. Um, vaccine rates were were pretty low, but things have ramped up significantly over the last couple of weeks. So are we getting to the point, you think, like with the J&J vaccine where... Uh... I might be able to text my family soon. I'm getting vaccinated. <laughs> I think it, what's hard about the vaccine sort of story in general is that every state is different. So mm-hmm. you could be in D.C. and a journalist and able to sign up for <laughs> the vaccine. But you could be, for example, in Massachusetts, where my parents are, and you could be over the age of 65 and still not have received 
a COVID-19 vaccine appointment. So it really depends on how each individual state is handling um, the distribution and administration process. Some states are slower than others. Some states have different priority lists. Uh, it's it's somewhat of, of a mess, quite honestly. Mm. As we do ramp up production and try to clean up some of that mess, um, you're reporting that the CDC's put together some new guidelines that are essentially like a how to kind of live a normal life once you've been vaccinated guide. Um, What do those guidelines say? Basically, the CDC is going to come out with a bit of a roadmap for people who have been doubly vaccinated, which means that you've gotten both of your your Pfizer and Moderna shots, both doses of them. Mm -hmm. And what it will say is that doubly vaccinated individuals can gather in small group settings with other doubly vaccinated individuals without masks in the home setting primarily. These new guidelines, I don't think, are going to be that revolutionary. They're still going to include very strong language about how doubly vaccinated individuals should exist in society, in public. They should still wear wear masks. They should still, you know, stay social distanced. So it is a step in the right direction. It, it is sort of indicating to the rest of the country that we are getting closer to where we want to be. But these new guidelines are not meant in any way to um, basically allow Americans to just forget about all the public health measures that we've been trying to put in place for a year now. So in practical terms, it's like if I'm vaccinated, my parents are vaccinated, my brother's vaccinated, we could all meet up at my parents' house without like quarantining or anything before. We can have dinner normally with masks off, but we shouldn't be living our lives as if there isn't a pandemic outside of that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you could, you know, um, drive over to your parents' house, take off your mask, have dinner with them inside the home. But then as soon as you leave the house, you have to put your mask back on. You have to go to the grocery store, say, on your way home. You need to stay social distance from people in the store. You need to either wear an N95 or, or double mask. Uh, and and follow basically all the same rules you had been following. Now, the new guidelines will also include a travel section, so how doubly vaccinated individuals can go about traveling. Um, I have not previewed that section yet, but that should be really interesting to see um, what the CD says about about travel and and vaccinated individuals. Mm. I feel like what's at the heart of what you can and can't do here when you're vaccinated is sort of this question and uncertainty of what vaccines actually do and don't do for people who get them. Right. Because like if, if you are vaccinated, there's still a chance that you could pass along COVID to someone else. Right. Like if you were actually totally immune after getting it and couldn't pass along the virus, wouldn't you just be able to like see anyone anywhere, regardless of if they're vaccinated, too? I guess I'm wondering, like from the science we know, what actually does a vaccine do? for the person who gets it. So, so far what the the data and the science tells us is that when you get both doses of your vaccine, depending on what vaccine you get, you are somewhere upward of 90% immune from um, contracting COVID-19. Now that, that efficacy rate uh, and data looks different from vaccine to vaccine. The J&J vaccine uh, is less efficacious, but it does prevent very well against severe disease. Mm-hmm. So, so that's great news. But so far, we don't have a ton of data on 
whether or not doubly vaccinated individuals can uh, transmit COVID-19 after they've been vaccinated. Dr. Fauci has spoken a little bit about some studies that have gone out that sort of indicate that transmission rates are, are lower in individuals who have been doubly vaccinated. So we have been hearing and seeing in the press that Israel has a remarkable diminution in cases associated with the efficiency of their vaccine. The reason I bring this out to you is that it is another example of the scientific data starting to point to the fact that vaccine is important, not only for the health of the individual, but it also has very important implications from a public health standpoint for interfering and diminishing the dynamics of the outbreak. But there hasn't been a whole lot of studying done around that issue. And so we still don't really have a good answer on that. And that's why it's important to keep following things like social distancing and and wearing masks. Exactly. That's why it's important that you continue to wear your masks, that when you're around people who, for example, who haven't been vaccinated or are sick uh, or have other comorbidities and haven't been vaccinated, that we continue to practice those, those safety measures that we've been practicing over the past year. But regardless, if you are vaccinated, it's way safer to, like, go to the grocery store, right? Or everyday things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely safer for you. Mm -hmm. What we don't know is how safe it is for you to go to the grocery store without, for example, without a mask, without, you know, without following those safety measures, um, how safe it is for other people who have not been vaccinated. So as we've gotten a slice of of what a gradual return to normalcy could look like with with more vaccines, we've seen some states kind of go for the whole pie. Texas, Mississippi earlier this week lifted mask mandates, are allowing businesses to totally reopen. What do you make of that? This goes against everything Dr. Walensky at the CDC and and others like Dr. Fauci have been warning about um, for weeks now, that we need to remain vigilant. We need to keep all the public safety measures in place. You know, vaccination rates are improving and and we're getting closer to where we want to be, but we're not out of the tunnel yet. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. We also saw Governor Baker in Massachusetts get rid of um, indoor dining capacity restrictions. So basically opened up the entire indoor dining scene in the state. Um, Dr. Walensky has been very adamant that this is not what we need to be doing right now. You know, the goal is not to sort of open up travel, open up all of, you know, things because um, people, you know, we're, we're scaling up vaccination. The goal in this first hundred days um, has always been to sort of make sure that we are in a place to be out of this pandemic at 7,000 cases per day. We're not in that place right now. We need to be basically staying the course. So this is, you know, according to health officials, this is not a good idea. Does the federal government have any recourse here? Like, do they have power to crack down on states that they think are doing the wrong thing? So this is a story we're exploring this week. But the federal government can't tell states <laughs> what to do. You know, they mm-hmm. can't basically force states to to re-implement mask mandates. So it's a tricky spot for the Biden White House to be in right now. And, and of course, 
you, you know, it's basically up to the president to decide whether or not he wants to go and pick that fight with governors right now. But it's, it's a huge test for our health agencies in particular. How much influence can they try to wield over these, these state health agencies and governor's offices? Can we convince them to keep public health measures in place? There aren't a lot of options on the table. Just curious, does rolling back restrictions, does it hurt like the return to normal that, that could come along with vaccinations? I know it's a bad idea for spreading coronavirus and potentially having more cases. But if we're still vaccinating the same number of people, does Texas, does Mississippi, you know, rolling back mask mandates and reopening businesses, does it set back the national timeline for when life might get back to normal? That's a really tricky question. I I think we don't know the answer to that. I mean, of course, if there is an outbreak of COVID-19 among, um, you know, obviously individuals who have not been vaccinated and those transmission levels climb higher and higher, that that does set back the timeline um, for returning back to normal. Also, as transmission rates increase, there's more room for variants to emerge and replicate Um, And we still are studying the variants and what impact they have on both uh, vaccinated individuals and individuals who are not vaccinated. So it's it certainly doesn't help the national timeline to to have infections spreading in places like Texas and and perhaps uh, Mississippi when they reduce these health restrictions. Mm. Before I let you go, I'm just curious, what's like the big thing that you hope to do or want to do in the future that that like would let you know personally that you've gotten back to normal? Because for me, I've, I've talked about it on the show before. I'm getting married in September. Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> Probably talked about it so much on here that uh, I'm going to have to invite everybody who's listening. <laughs> but like for you, you know, what is sort of that thing in the future that if it can happen, if you're able to do it in a few months, like, you know, life is back to how it's supposed to be? I think a couple of things. If I can go into a restaurant and sit and have a glass of wine with my husband over dinner without feeling nervous or scared that I'm going to, you know, um, infect other people or catch the virus myself, that is something that would indicate to me that life is back to normal. Also, being able to travel to see my family um, is a huge thing. You know, obviously, my parents are older and um, we have not been able to visit our our families for that for that reason. They're not vaccinated yet. So those are the, the big things for me. Obviously, if there's ever a day where we can just not wear masks at all, um, that would be a huge day, I think, for the entire country. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're anywhere close to, to that day. But I think um, the indoor dining and the traveling and, you know, gathering with family are huge indicators for me. All right. That is our show for this week. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Big thanks to Aaron Banco for joining me. Be sure to subscribe to Pulse Check wherever you're listening. And also check out Nerdcast this week, where they're talking vaccine hesitancy and equity access. Many labels are placed on Black people. If a Black person questions and says, I want to know more information about the vaccine, they all of a sudden get labeled as hesitant and not just just literally health curious. Whose job is it to combat hesitancy? And what grade would the Biden administration get? You can find this episode by searching Nerdcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Pulse Check's senior producer is Jenny Ament, and our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.